Hello and welcome to Spectacular Slovakia, the podcast in which we explore everything related to Slovakia, from culture to travel tips. I'm Anna Fay, and this week we will go back in time to October 1907, which is when the Chernova tragedy occurred. I'll be joined by my colleague Peter, who will answer a few basic questions related to this tragic event so that you, dear listeners, and I can learn more about the 1907 tragedy, which has been forgotten by many even though October 27th is a red-letter day in Slovakia. When we look at the Hungarian press, uh, they described those funerals as a barking against the Hungarian nation. The authorities banned people, except for family members, from attending the funeral ceremony. Moreover, when everything was ready for funerals, authorities all of a sudden decided to carry out autopsies of the victims. But before Peter continues, I'll tell you a little bit more about our spectacular Slovakia travel guides, which are the perfect travel companions for your trips around Slovakia. Go to shop.spectator.sk to choose from our selection of six tourist guides in English, focusing on Slovakia as a whole, as well as several Slovak regions in detail. And we have a special surprise for you. Our new guide on the Tatra region is on the way. And now here's the show. Hi, Peter. Hello, Anna. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So let's go straight to today's topic, the Chernova tragedy. Yeah. Can you describe it in a nutshell for us? Sure. The bloodshed in Chernova was not just about the dispute over consecration of a newly built church in the village in 1907. It cannot be understood uh, as the outcome of one event. It was actually the result of state-directed and ideologically justified oppression efforts by the Hungarians, as well as a purposeful anti-Slavic policy happening with help of the Catholic Church, which, in cooperation with state authorities and counties, followed and enforced a concept of a unified political Hungarian nation and a nationally homogeneous monolithic state. Chernova is just the most extreme example of oppression, but there were other villages fighting priests controlled by the Catholic Church and Budapest. And therefore, it is important to look at the village of Chernova in the context of Austria-Hungary, not as a local tragedy. The Austro-Hungarian Empire was a dual monarchy existing between 1867 and 1918 when the First World War broke out and the Slovak territory was part of the empire, lying in the Hungarian part of the monarchy. So where exactly is Chernova in Slovakia? Well, I said it was a village, but today it is a borough of uh, Ružomberok, which is a small town in central Slovakia. And you can find a Catholic university as well as a big company producing paper in Ružomberok. And the city is surrounded by two national parks, the Big Fatra and the Low Tatras. And uh, back then, about 1,200 people lived in the village, but only 30 of them spoke Hungarian, which is an interesting comparison given the Hungarians' efforts to create this one Hungarian-speaking uh, nation. And conversely, Rosenberg was mostly controlled by influential Hungarian and Jewish uh, families. Rosenberg was thriving around that time, uh, however, the town hall did not manage money well, and therefore Chernova-born Andrei Hlinka, a well-known but today really controversial slug personality, criticized it. Okay, so you mentioned oppression by the Hungarians who tried to assimilate and acculturate non-Hungarian nationals living in the Hungarian part of the empire. Can you outline for us the background situation in the empire politically and economically before we move on to the Chernova tragedy? 
Yeah, <laughs> so as I said, um, the position of non-Hungarians was worsening at the turn of the 19th and 20th centuries, and it was because the Hungarian nationalism was growing at the same time, and as far as the monarchy goes, Austria and Hungary were economically dependent on each other, but paradoxically this led to conflicts owing to nationalists and radical parties on the Hungarian part, such as the Independence Party. Um, however, it was the Liberal Party in Hungary that ruled until 1906, and it was after this year when nationalists indeed took over, calling for independence. For example, there was also the Tulip movement, representing Hungarians' economic interests within the monarchy. And this movement, supported by the government in Budapest as well, affixed Tulip stickers on products made in Hungary to protect its economy against the Austrians. And in the meantime, um, non-Hungarian nationals, namely Slovaks, Serbians, Romanians, um, they united in 1895 and held a national congress in Budapest where they presented to Europe, or they tried to present to Europe, the problem of oppression and the Hungarian part of the dual monarchy uh, for the first time. And after nationalists took over in Hungary, we can observe that out of 1,000 schools teaching in Slovak in 1890, there were 241 of them in 1906, which is a significant drop, actually. And also Slovak journalists, priests and politicians were sent to court and even to prison. Slovak priests could also have been stripped out of their robes. Hence, the political scene in the Hungarian part of the monarchy was getting a bit fragmented and turbulent. Um, Nepart, which was a Catholic People's Party in Hungary, was also set up, uh, of which Slovak Andrei Halinka, whom I already mentioned, uh, was a member. But when the party began to show its uh, nationalist, great Hungarian views, uh, Halinka decided to leave the party, and that was in 1901. Also, Slovaks did not have many representatives in the Diet of Hungary, which was the supreme legislative body in Budapest at the time. It was in the early 1900s when actually new Slovak political parties were emerging, including the Slovak People's Party, set up by Halinka. Okay, and so Slovaks were not deemed a nation nor a minority, right? Right. <laughs> given, the, given the Hungarian legislation, Slovaks were not a nation. Uh, they were basically Hungarians, and yet they presented the country, I mean, the Hungarians presented the country as a liberal well of peace. Um, but it was only in the early 20th century when Slovak political parties began to emerge, as I said previously, and fight. However, the issue was that they were not uh, unified and united in this fight. Okay, and so you mentioned Andrei Hlinka, who was mm -hmm. born in Chernova. Uh, yeah. So can you describe who he was and what role he played in the Chernova tragedy? Hlinka was a priest in the first place, ordinated in 1889, and he served first as a priest in Liptovské Sliače, which was um, another village near Ružomberok. And he was very charismatic. He he was able to get people on his side and find support for his ideas. But today he is really perceived with a lot of controversy. But this controversy really relates to the period after the first Czechoslovak Republic was established in uh, 1918. But in the early 20th century, um, he actually demanded equality of peoples in Hungary and criticized the government's politics. He even ran for an MP uh, to the Diet of Hungary for the Nepart party, but lost by 150 votes. And as a result, in a village near Ružomberok, there was this conflict in a pub between Halinka supporters and Halinka's opponent supporters. And eventually the police came 
and they opened fire and actually five people got killed. And Chernova, uh, where Halinka came from, um, this village fell under the Ruzhomberok parish in the early 20th century. And as a result of a political deal in 1905, Halinka actually became the priest uh, in Ruzhomberok. This happened although Spish Bishop Alexander Parvi, uh, who was Hungarian and he did not speak Slovak, uh, he did not like Halinka for his vocal criticism of policies being ordered by Budapest. But despite his, I don't know, hatred, or the bishop just had to accept him. Mm-hmm. Um, as a priest in Ruzhomberok. And as a Chernova-born, uh, Halinka then decided to have a new church built in the village, a bigger one, uh, as as the population in the village grew. He himself donated money, but he also asked people, even Slovaks living in the United States, to support his plan. So eventually the church was built under two years, and then people in Chernova wanted Halinka to consecrate their new church because he came from the village. However, he was prevented from doing so by authorities. Why? It was because in 1906, Linka supported Vavros Robar, um, who ran for, for NMP to the Diet of Hungary. So he supported his uh, Shrobar's campaign. And Parvi, who was the bishop, he did not like Halinka's engagement and... He understood Halinka's action as a rebellion, so Parvi decided to strip Halinka of several competencies of his and eventually even of his robe. And afterward, people began to protest, they signed a petition, they even threatened the Catholic Church, they would give up on their faith. Also, the media supported Halinka, even Slovak press in the United States. Um, and so Halinka eventually turned to the Holy See to resolve the issue. And at the same time, Halinka was also detained by the police. So there were sort of, you know, two storylines, I would say. <laughs> uh, one religious and the other one was related to the state. So he was detained in 1906 and he spent six months behind bars. He did not know why. He learned the reason after, after half a year. So he had been accused of fueling a rebellion against the Hungarians, but in fact it was just criticism uh, by which he targeted uh, Budapest politics. Following this accusation, he was sentenced to two years in prison. Um, that was in December 1906. And then he appealed, uh, which actually means that he left his cell, but he returned there in November 1907. Okay, and so the church was supposed to be consecrated on October 27th, 1907. Did this end up happening at (laughs) any point? (laughs) Well, the bishop approved uh, consecration. He even set the date. That day was actually postponed several times. Really, people wanted to postpone consecration until Holinka's suspension ended and he could consecrate the church, but the bishop refused. So in the meantime, uh, Halinka was in the Czech Republic already, having lectures in different towns and, you know, gathering support. From the Czech Republic, he eventually sent a letter that he would not attend the ceremony because of his suspension. You know, people did not know about the letter, so they were still fighting for a new consecration date that would, uh, you know, suit Halinka. And, you know, they even sent anonymous letters with threats, they decided to empty the church, they decided to lock it to, you know, prevent consecration. Mm-hmm. And they really hoped that, you know, it would be postponed. But uh, something else happened. You know, the officials sent the police to Chernova after those incidents, and they even arrested three women. And one of those women uh, was Halinka's uh, sister. 
Um, and they were accused, you know, for calling on people to protest and rebel. And then on October 27, which was a consecration day, uh, another incident uh, occurred between people of Chernova and several priests and officials invited to the ceremony. And so people surrounded them and, you know, the atmosphere got really intense. And so eventually the police opened fire and 15 people were killed. You know, the church eventually got consecrated, but that happened in uh, June 1910. But since 1907, uh, the situation had evolved. So the Holy See had supported Hlinka and ordered Parvi to cancel Hlinka's suspension. The bishop later admitted, actually, that there was pressures on him from Budapest to cope with Hlinka. Hlinka was also released from prison in uh, 1910. Okay, and so what followed immediately after the, the tragedy and then, you know, further on? Well, obviously, a funeral ceremony was held. When we look at the Hungarian press, uh, they described those funerals as a barking against the Hungarian nation. Uh, also, soldiers were sent to the village on the eve of the funeral. The authorities banned people, except for family members, from attending the funeral ceremony. Moreover, when everything was ready for funerals, authorities all of a sudden decided to carry out autopsies of the victims. And also, in the Diet of Hungary, MPs described the shooting as self-defense against aggressive people. But we should just uh, point out that those aggressive people had no guns. Mm -hmm. Mm, And besides, the authorities then decided to, and they wanted to punish people for their rebellion. So basically, culprits became witnesses and victims uh, the culprits. And then a military court said in 1907 that the use of guns was adequate, given the aggressiveness of people. However, the police did not try to protect themselves. They actually shot the victims in their chest and back, which does not really seem like they try to protect themselves. Right, yeah. So in total, 59 people were accused, which proves the trials were built upon fabricated evidence aiming to mm-hmm. warn people against possible future riots. And also, what does not make sense is that Linka was described as the one behind the tragedy, although he was not there at that time. Um, also during these trials, if any one of those 59 people accused tried to speak Speak out against uh, against Budapest and politics coming from there. They go immediately fined, um, and so eventually people were sentenced to prison for several months. But later, their sentences were lowered, and also journalists who wrote about the massacre and they criticized Budapest in those articles. Uh, they were also sent to prison for several months or fined. Okay, and I'm curious, how did uh, the rest of the world initially react to the Chernova tragedy? The Hungarian press wrote about anti-Hungarian nationalistic agitation, but world papers noted that the island of liberalism in Central Europe suffered another hit and also that priests assisted in the tragedy. For instance, Norwegian writer Björnstjern Björnsson, he criticized oppression in the dual monarchy at this time because he himself came from a small nation that became independent from Sweden. And also British journalists Henry Steed and Robert Seton Watson, they wrote about the Hungarian part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the status of Slovaks. And, you know, it seems like Slovaks don't actually know a lot about the Chernova tragedy. Why is that, do you think? Well, I think there are many reasons behind that. So, 
you know, the tragedy, it's still part of the Slovak history. But in 1918, it was Czechoslovakia that emerged, not uh, Slovakia. And then after 1948, you know, communism took over, usurped the power. So actually communists did not consider it worth commemorating because it was linked to the Catholic Church, which the regime had banned. Today it is a red letter day, um, as you said, but if you ask really people what date we mark the tragedy on, they will not tell you, or they would, they would not tell you what it was about. But I think people should really keep it in mind for a number of reasons. You know, the world learned the truth about the Hungarian part of the empire. Also, the tragedy really helped build or improve the relationship between Slovaks and Czechs, because, as I said, when the tragedy happened, Linka was in the Czech Republic, holding lectures and Czechs really, you know, supported him. And also when the tragedy happened to Czech people, they really donated money. Slovaks became really awakened uh, after the tragedy. And there's also the so-called Chernova syndrome, which means basically that a state is seen as an untrustworthy partner who has failed to acknowledge his mistakes. And I really believe that Slovakia has been uh, suffering from this syndrome to date. But that is really my personal Uh, opinion and some people may hold a different opinion on this. Right. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for talking about this. I think it's important, of course, to talk about historical events that don't get enough recognition. So thank you very much. Thank you. If you would like to listen to more Spectacular Slovakia episodes, go to spectator.sk or choose any of the available streaming services, including SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as Google and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Yeah.